Sentire Media All right, here we go. Podcast from Italy. Good morning, everyone. It is the 23rd of May, a beautiful, beautiful Tuesday morning. We're sitting under the cherry tree. My name is Jason. I'm joined by my wife, Ashley. Good morning. Ciao tutti. Together we own, operate, and live at what is known as paradise in my book, Cacamone, a little slice of heaven nestled in the Apeony Mountains. And uh, it's nine something in the morning. We've been up and done stuff and into town and back again and... Hauled our garbage, uh, collected the... hay, did a little bit of everything already. Yeah. Um, On our second cappuccino. It is a, it's absolutely gorgeous. We're outside today. We couldn't, we, we had to do the podcast and we had to be, we have to be outside because it's, it's, yeah, it's a, a spring day. It is gorgeous. It has taken a long time for spring to set in and it is a warm, beautiful morning without guests. And exactly. We thought what a beautiful place to do the podcast under the cherry tree, looking out over the garden and all of Jason and Gaji's work in the last few weeks. We could see it starting to grow. It looks good. So the garden is basically in, we're counting. Uh, we're in about 500 onions of two varieties, Rosso Tropea and Dorata di Parma. We've got uh, 280 uh, tomato plants in over a dozen varieties. Carolyn brought yesterday, our neighbor Carolyn brought her uh, all the heirloom, like, um, really special. Yes, these are the ones that Gaji calls exotici, exotics, and doesn't like to take care of, talk about, touch. They're not exotic they're at not. all. They're not. <laughs> they're heirloom varieties, and they're absolutely gorgeous. So we have, like, oh, we should have brought them. I know. I'll, next podcast, we'll name off some of them. Okay. Um, so those are in. Um, we have the zucchini and the... And the um, pumpkins are in. We have all the lettuces and the radishes and the carrots, the cucumbers, the potatoes, the fava beans we're eating. The garlic is almost – I'm r- rattling this off because I'm literally looking out over it. Uh, the garlic is almost ready to be picked. Um, it's coming It's coming You've along. Got some more squashes to plant? Squash, and, squash to plant today or pumpkins. I don't know. I have to see what she brought over. She wasn't exactly sure herself. She said, oh, these ones we will figure out. Uh, later in the week, um, we'll put in the peppers, tons and tons of peppers. We'll put in the eggplant. And then later next month, uh, usually after the 1st of June, we'll start putting in um, green beans, uh, the green beans and the borlotti beans. And then before you know it, it'll be time to plant this stuff for the autumn. And looking out in classic Gaji form, there's not much rhyme or reason. Oh, shit. So he loves to... He's the... <laughs> when, we do, when we do the garden, it's, uh, especially this. this is... Since I don't know, I just don't bust his chops about it as much anymore. As I let, I just kind of enjoy our time together. So he loves to. We have a big garden, and he loves to put stuff all over the place. <laughs> so, for instance, I have my zucchini at the very back. My garden is seventy-five meters long, so I have my zucchini at the very back of the garden. My tomatoes at the very front, on the far left-hand side. The, this is this is not done as a. Uh, bio rotation um no we have a rotational we do but his placement is not related to that whatsoever so the problem with this is there's large swaths of of uh earth in between these these cultivated parts and not only do you need to drag a watering tube way down to the end but now we have to weed all of these all in between because now it looks ugly and weird whereas if we just planted everything in the front of the garden or the back of the garden or the, the you know, we, I have a rotational plan for, we, we divided our garden to, to six plots, a five-year plan with one, plot, with one of the plots being left vacant every year. And um, Gaji doesn't really want to follow that plan. No, no, kind of just depends on where he's standing and what he's holding. <laughs> well, that's okay. The garden's shaping up. It's looking good. Everyone's happy down there. Mm-hmm. Everyone's standing up straight and um, it'll... I know we've got the warmer nights and it's all coming together. Absolutely, it's interesting though. The um, this year, every year we have a year of a certain bug. Oh, some God. bugs, it's, some years it's ladybugs. Some years it's these little black bugs with red backs that they're harmless. One Winter. year was the um, gypsy moth. No, not gypsy moth. It was called um, yes, the gypsy moth caterpillars. Was it gypsy that moth? came over? It was that seven-year plague thing where they ate everything. It was horrific. One year it was the year of the fly. Oh, oh that was horrible God. too. I didn't mind the year of the ladybug. One year was the year of the bee. 
was kind of nice. It was, except they ate everything. They yeah. were, like breakfast, even the pizza night. The, they would come out at night to try to eat the sausages off the pizza. Well, those pizza. were hornets. It was that was crazy. <laughs> but uh, no, no insect has shown shown itself. I don't know why this you're year. bringing this up because it's going to happen. We've been here ten years. Every year, there's a different insect that that. It's the year of that bug, so we'll see. Um, I think it's the year of the woodpecker. Yeah, there have been a lot of woodpeckers mm-hmm. this year. Uh, and we've got classic um, again this year. Um, it, this is so cool. Each year in at least one window uh, where the shutters don't quite close properly, <laughs> um, birds, migrating birds, will fly in and make a nest and put their eggs in. And uh, there is one of the apartments right now with six little blue eggs waiting to be hatched. I'm so excited. The cats are too, (laughs) waiting eagerly under the window. But it's really cool. But this year I have. I've seen so many more woodpeckers. It's interesting. That's the regional bird for Lamarque. But uh, we have a family somewhere that they've been hanging out. Mm. God, strawberries are good. It is this year it is. Strawberry season, like he said, we're under our cherry tree. Unfortunately, no cherries due to our crazy spring weather we had with the snow and, and um, yeah. grandine, the hail. But the strawberries this year are incredible. Oh All God. the spring vegetables are in full go. The peas are incredible. The fava beans. Artichokes. I They're slowing. They're slowing down. Maybe there'll be another run in here in a couple of weeks. But they were just throwing baskets of artichokes. The um, asparagus are still looking good. Throw those on the grill. It can't get any better. So it's the uh, uh, it's we've been we've been we've been doing a bunch of cooking classes and and oh my gosh we have to speaking of spring vegetables. It was literally the last time we recorded the podcast this happened. And it was so funny because we thought, oh, my gosh, we should have. I wish he had been here moments before and we could have talked about this. So last week or so, whenever we did the last podcast, we had Gaji and Rosanna over for dinner. And, you know, oh, we're we're making. I forget what we were making. Um, Oh, I made um, uh, uh, spazzatino di agnello. I made lamb stew. That's right. And you decided we were going to just have some peas and. Um, cheese and some of our uh, home cured meats on the table as an antipasti. Totally typical. Now it's very, very typical to put fresh pecorino and raw fava beans in the pods just on the table. You just throw the beans on the table and you shell them and you eat the raw beans with the uh, fresh cheese. Absolutely delicious. Well, when the pea, when the when the peas, the green peas, are baby and before they they get you know before it's later in the season and they get a little starchier and a little bigger. We eat them like candies. like Yeah, so they came in and sat down, and there's just a big bowl of fresh peas on the table. And they're in like, the show? What, the, what are we supposed to do with those? And we were like, both, I mean, both of them looked at each other, and they were like, why are there, why is there a bowl of fresh peas? Unshelled. Do we, do we, need, to, we, do we are, need to clean these yeah, for are, dinner? For, are these for dinner? And we we're like, yeah, yeah, they're for antipasti. Just to have with the cheese. And they were like, raw? We said, what are you talking about? And they said, we have never had this before and it was like are you guys freaking kidding me we have seen you eat fresh fava you've done it here we've had it at your house you're the one who's taught us to eat the fresh yes and we're like and they go well of course fresh fava and pecorino that is obvious who wouldn't eat that we're like what the hell is wrong with the fresh peas then so after hemming and hawing we just try it just try it and they liked it and it was fine but god you said i just i can't support this thing well what a shithead. Two days later, I have a giant bowl of peas because we're doing a cooking class. And he comes in at, uh, in the late morning back before he heads back uh, to take his nap and read his paper. And there's the big bowl of peas sitting there. And we're having a little coffee. And on his way out, freaking grabs a handful <laughs> of fresh peas. And I, I, was, I thought you don't like them. Thought, thought you don't eat fresh He's peas. such... Oh, my God. It just shows how set in the ways these people are. It is unbelievable. They were also – I feel like he also had something to say about the lamb. Like, he wasn't Oh, he to... doesn't like – well, Gaji's particular because <laughs> he will eat fried lamb chops, but he doesn't like uh, lamb stew. He will eat um, carrots cooked, but he hates raw carrots. Like, there's a lot of these two – these things where Gaji's particular. Gaji's Gaji. So that's Fresh the ga- peas. We rocked their world <laughs> at uh, damn near 70 years old. Uh, Eating woo. a fresh pea. <laughs> uh, so that's the God, that is the Gaji story of, of the week. Um, oh, my gosh. Should we talk about the pool? Yeah. Well, let's, talk, let's switch gears and talk about the pool. So now that the uh, situation is, res- well, 
in the process of being resolved, we can talk about it now. So I thought uh, my, my whole motto this year has been stay ahead. Let's stay ahead. Let's be on top of things. Let's get things done ahead of time instead of waiting till when we normally do things. So I got ahead this year and opened and cleaned out and drained the pool, power washed it, scrubbed it, filled it. Got it clean for a yoga retreat that was here in the middle of April. Yep. Real early. Well, when I took the the cover off the pool, the liner had a huge tear in the top corner. And it's 15 years old. It just from the UV, from the sun, from the chemicals, from all that. It just, it's got a lifespan and we have arrived there. So I tried to, I tried to see if I could fix it. And I ordered this stuff called Tear Aid, uh, which is like this patch, for, this waterproof industrial patch from america and it it's good stuff like uh, you can use it for other things but shout out to renato yeah thank you (laughs) renato um and it worked for about two days but it just couldn't hold the amount of pressure that a pool puts on the puts on this thing so um not to mention a second hole yeah and a second hole opened up which was awesome so i'm freaking out because i know nothing in italy happens quickly this isn't a huge i mean it's something that can be fixed you can put a new pool liners are put in every day it's just how much is it going to cost how long is it going to take what is going to be this process because this could this could go forever um so i start calling and getting people to come by and give me estimates and yeah and start talking to fushiani our landlord and yada 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 and one the other day i get a call and he goes up I got a pool guy from Chita di Castello. I got a, um, a mason coming to fix, you know, different things around there. We'll have it all wrapped up by, you know, in a week. It was Which like, was incredible because you skipped a uh, very crucial part. You started calling pool companies. First of all, out of like the first dozen you called, I think none of the phone numbers worked. They here's, people wouldn't even come. No, here's a here's Italy for you. So I go online because I don't know what uh, the pool company I used to use. I hate them. I, <laughs> they're crooks. So I go online to start looking for p- pool companies in the area. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Most of them are located on the coast. Um, I must have tried twelve different pool companies either i got a fax machine like it picks up with a fax machine (laughs) or some grandma answers like no one's been at this number for years (laughs) so um i was i got i was feeling a little bit lost so and the only people who you did talk to when you sent them a picture of the rip said no not even coming out not interested yeah yeah, not interested yeah that's gonna need a new pool liner but we're a little too far we don't really feel like coming out so Thank, Thank God. God. So t- uh, yesterday the pool guy came and put in, in put in new lights on the side and put in a new drain on the bottom. And they're going to come today uh, with cement and fix up, level out some stuff and, and do a little TLC to the pool. And hopefully in a, in a week or two by we'll be able to fill it back up and get going. Oh, oh thank my God. Oh, it's always something. It's always something. People think a pool looks so incredible. Jason just wants to bury it. I hate the pool. (laughs) I don't hate pools in general. Swimming in pools are beautiful. I hate maintaining a pool. (laughs) Partly because I never get to enjoy the pool. Our pool is for our guests, which is obvious. And I don't think it's appropriate to swim in the pool when there's guests here. Or for the owners of the place to swim in the pool when the guests are here. So He will sometimes, when we've had crazy weather and the guests were inside doing dinner, he would go sneak in and jump in the pool between Secundo and Dolce. Dolce. That is true. (laughs) If it was Uh, a super hot night. I I might do that. But um, the pool is a ton of maintenance. It's a ton of money. It's a ton of, you know, chemicals, mm-hmm. and it's an everyday thing. That thing needs to be cleaned and swept and babied all the time. So, <sighs> I know. Not to mention just all the pool products and dealing with the pool. It destroys. You can tell people out here who have agriturismos in particular because not just from dirty clothes of like being farm life, but it has. There's the telltale like bleached. Um, Bottoms of shorts. Yes! Little like, spatters. Like, I remember... Um, Giancarlo. Giancarlo always, it was the same thing. And we'd, we'd, <laughs> we'd meet Giancarlo in town and we'd both be wearing shorts and he would have the same little splatters of like bleach and... Uh, the, little the tiny holes. holes. <laughs> and it, I go, ah, pool shorts. Exactly. So anyone who owns a pool, hopefully you can empathize with me, but hopefully you all, you get to enjoy your hard work. Yes. And, and don't just to get to watch other people enjoying it. But um, 
Oh, oh no. hold on. We got to push, push pause. The phone's phone. ringing. All right, we're back. Of it was a pointless phone call, of course. <laughs> That's why we try not to answer the phone. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> So coming up uh, here at the beginning of next month, I have my brother coming into town. and um, Wouldn't it be great if he had help with the pool in some way? Because he's so anti-work. Zach will not do anything. He's told me he does not want to do any work whatsoever while he's here. And uh, he's made many demands. Um, <laughs> one of those being that he wants to be taken out and shown around all day and then come home and have a proper... Me, uh, proper dinner like I would cook for the guests. Mm-hmm. In fact, he would like to be treated like a yes. guest and be in the dining room, the whole candles, the whole nine. Which is which brings me to to a. Uh, int- oh geez, my god! Louise. The phone is ringing again. I'll which go br- get it. Yeah, you go. Which brings me to an interesting um, observation over the few years about family coming to town, and family is most of the time more. We call it, uh, it's heavy, it's, it's more work than the guests because like my brother, he doesn't, he doesn't understand that in order to put out a dinner that, that he wants, I have to be home. I have to, someone needs to cook it. You can't just all of a sudden throw out four or five courses, uh, after getting home from being out all day at seven o'clock. So, uh, oh, family. Yes, family and friends. And also what family and friends never realize is that the summertime is busy for us, whether it's the guests or the, and the garden and the, all the things going on. Um, we don't have the free time to, do, to show them around and go out to lunch and, and, and show them the, the, all the really hidden little parts of our area that, that we'd love to. Come in Easter. Come in for Christmas. Come in the late fall. We can go anywhere oh my gosh also i don't know if you mentioned this come for more than five days well that's another well that's a, that's an american thing i know it's hard so yeah i mean it's, it's so much he wants to do or go see oh, oh we want to do this it's like zach you're coming for six <laughs> nights like what do you how much do you want to do you're flying all this way for six nights and <laughs> it's just america you know you can't family's just more exhausting family is more exhausting so we'll keep you we'll let you know how that goes we have a lot planned for when they're here and um, we've crossed out a few days. Well, he's really fun to kind of talk shit about. So, oh well, he'll never good. he'll never listen to no, this. No, so that's it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, he does get tickled when many of you podcast listeners email us about and uh, refer to our Forge Slaughter Butcher as murder, death, kill. Yes, Zach. he does feel like he coined that and very proud of that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So yeah, we have it's this. We have a lot of we have family and friends coming all through the summer, and you know how that goes. That we'll keep, season begins. That season oh begins gosh. as well. Uh, we've gotten into um, back into studying our Italian because yes. our Italian is. Not- well, let's be honest. We studied a ton at first. You kind of plateau. You get comfortable. You learn. You know, every winter we try to go back to lessons. Sometimes it's half-assed and sometimes it's a bit more serious. But we lose steam and it's our own damn fault, really. And just becoming kind of complacent. So it's good to get back into it. And Jason, when I was out of town this winter, uh, found this guy on YouTube named Willa Tom. And Jason would keep saying, Willa, Willa, Willa Tom. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And he found this fantastic YouTube channel, mm-hmm. Wayla Tom, W-E-I-L-A with the accent. Tom. Tom. T-O-M. And um, I believe he's a linguist. I believe he's a linguistics major because he speaks a lot of different languages. Well, classic. We wouldn't have a lot of information. He's Italian, mm-hmm. but American, um, and he just explains things in a really um, easy to understand way that sets in and since he's of italian descent but lives in america he understands how our brain works Mm -hmm. and how what's more difficult for us and what's why it doesn't make sense as native english speakers whereas the italian teachers we have they don't they're i mean they're great i think that is the difference we've always had italians teaching us Italian, italian which is great but when you try to go deeper or really are confused, there's not a lot of answers besides it sounds better this way. Or this is the way it is. Or mm-hmm. they – I don't know. It just seems like he understands our retardation in the in the literal retardation and the not being able to get certain things and understands why we don't under, don't 
grasp that. Well, so. we contacted him, um, being a little YouTube starstruck, and sure enough, uh, Wayla Tom offers uh, Skype lessons, and they're excellent. I can't recommend it enough. If any of you um, are, whether it's just watching his videos or contacting him for private lessons, it is well worth the time. It's not expensive no. at all, and he's really, really good at what he does. There's a lot of language you know, teachers out there and we've been through a ton of them, believe you me. And, um, he's, he's good. He's good. He's adorable. It's really fun. And it's, um, it's kind of funny because exactly. We watch his YouTube videos and then we Skype with him. And sometimes it's like, he really does just seem to look like that. Or I don't know. I know. Ashley Starstruck. It's like, we, we met Wayla Tom and he gives it every time we do a lesson. He always goes, Wayla, Wayla, ragazzi. Exactly. He gives us what we want. I told him, I told him, I want, I want to hear the Wayla every time. It's what we're paying for. Gosh. So check it out. We didn't expect, we didn't explain what does Wayla mean. Oh, go ahead. I don't remember. It's oh, more good. like a um, slang, like from Milan, from like, like two different towns or whatever. And he thought he had made up this phrase, and he thought it was hysterical because it was like from both the north and the south, where his family's from, something like that. So he was combining these two salutations, and it was Wela, and he was like Wela Tom, and then he said it to someone, and they were like, or someone else said it to him one time, and he goes, "Oh, you've heard of this?" And he was like, "Yeah, that's." how you say it in Milan and he was like oh shoot I thought I made up this cool phrase but uh um, if you want more information you can't find him on YouTube or Google or whatever just send Ash an email and I'll send you his link she'll send you the link oh um, speaking of links well in the morning when we have our cappuccino we'll go through uh the emails and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and do our lists and everything for the day and the week and we've noticed scrolling through Facebook because especially Facebook, that there is a, we've been posting more videos as you guys know. And so we've been looking at some of the analytics and keeping an eye on, on other kind of videos that are popping up on news feeds and what kind of, um, uh, views they're getting. And I gotta say the Barnum and Bailey circus show of food is what's just freaking racking in the numbers. Whether it be Eater or Tasty or even the Food Network, all these yeah. little ones that you – all these little videos that self-play, it's gone from trying to make a, something that looks beautiful and, and nice that you want to eat to the opposite, to something that's like this freak gluttonous show. freak show mess. Like – the other day it was giant pancakes with waffle, like two, a, a giant pancake sandwich with waffles and fried chicken, like all this crap. And it's just, it's very interesting to see because it's all about getting you to click on it. So you, you, when I say you, I mean the royal you, the us, we have stopped clicking on pretty videos of uh, overhead shots of people making things really quickly in, in a pan. No one clicks on that anymore, or something beautiful at a so they've gone at a restaurant. So they've gone now the opposite way. You're going to click on it because it's so disgusting, exactly. or so gluttonous, mm-hmm. or so who the hell is going to eat that kind of thing? So it's really interesting. Don't click on it. <laughs> Don't scroll on it. Don't. The only way to get this to stop it drives me insane. Maybe you like it. Maybe you like to see ten pounds of pancakes oh my and God, fried it's chicken. Just disgusting. The only way to get this stuff to go away is just to not engage in it. And it's it no it just, it's just too bad to see though. It was really made it clear once, you know, we know taste made and eater and daily whatever motion or something like one of those constantly, but once it seemed like the food network was really getting on board with that and instead of showing, you know, tips from chefs and things that at one point were starting to get popular, it is. It's just this mess it's a mess it's it's the macabre it's the barnum and bailey it's the freak show sideshow mm-hmm. you know you'll click on it because it's weird mm-hmm. kind of thing so just gross. Uh, gross so something interesting that we've noticed in the last few weeks and see if you see if you notice it too and uh sh- shoot us a shoot us a link or an email or, or whatever just it's once someone points it out, you kind of go like, oh, you start yeah, to notice it. Yeah, yeah. Gross. And our feed is full of it. I got too many family members in Oklahoma who love it. <laughs> They're like, oh, kid, no, that's good. <laughs> so what's coming up this week? What do we got? Well, we are bottling more wine. We're going to try to go down and um, keep stocking up our cantina for the summer. We need to get some lacrima, some verdicchio. And so I've been 
trying to wash like a 75 bottles a day and um, get that prepped out as Jason's been in the garden. We have Festa della Repubblica coming up this week on the 2nd. On the 2nd. So um, everything will be closed. And if you're going to be traveling in Italy, please take note. Restaurants will be open, but they will be full. You better have a reservation. And there'll be lots of processions and lots of bands out. Yep. And it's big fest- festival day. festival of the Republic. Then if you are living out here in the countryside... Most of the old men slightly protest it and say, it's not the Republic I know. So it's uh, it's kind of funny out here. And also La Fiorita is coming. La Fiorita is normally the first weekend in June where we talked about this last week where they cover the streets in flowers and have a uh, procession for the church, the mass through town. It's beautiful. Well, let's see. Today I will be cleaning a chicken coop. I'll be continuing to plant. I'm waiting for a cement truck to arrive. Um, we got a lot going on. I got to mow, lot. keep bottling. A lot of work on the computer. So even though we have uh, one day off from guests, we have more guests arriving tomorrow. It is not a day off. I love it when people say, enjoy your day off. Enjoy your day off. There's no day off. What? In- Are you kidding me? It is almost, this is season. This is season. This is high time to get going. I know. And- Yesterday, I really wanted to sneak away too and get fish for dinner. And Jason was like, no, we've got to stay focused. Hopefully when we go get wine. Oh, yeah, yeah. When we go down there to get wine, we'll have a fish. We'll go to the coast and have fish for lunch. Mm-hmm. But actually, it was, it. it was like 3 o'clock. And Ashley's like, oh, let's, let's go to the done. car. Let's be done. I'm like, you're nuts. We have so much <laughs> work like, here I to still do. Have all these, I still have 100 tomato plants that I need to put in the ground right now. Oh, you suck. <laughs> well, that's country living for you. That is it. All right. So we're going to wrap this up. Ashley's going to exactly. read another chapter from her book. We have no idea which one it is because it will not... We, she will not be doing this for at least a few hours. No, we're sitting outside and I don't have the computer in front of me. It may be a chapter in its entirety. It may be a few uh, chapter summaries. We'll see. I'm not sure myself. But uh, thanks for listening. All right. Very good. Bring us home, Ash. And- all right. You guys can find us, you know where, La Tavola Marche, L-A-T-A-V-O-L-A-M-A-R-C-H-E, the market table. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at La Tavola Marque. Shoot us an email at info at latavolamarque.com. Follow me on Instagram at Ashley Bartner. We've been posting a lot on Instagram for both Ashley and La Tavola Marque, the Instagram stories, the little live feeds of what's been going on in the cooking classes and things. So be sure to follow us there. And keep following, liking, sharing our Facebook videos and whatnot as well. We'll be doing another live feed sometime this week. I think when we go to get the wine, we'll fire it up. All right. Uh, don't forget some love for No Half Measures, our video and consulting arm. Very good. I was been trying to work on the website myself, which is much harder than it seems. And check it out, nhmfilms.com, for a bit of our consulting. We still have two spots left in our October 20th to 24th consulting workshop. Join us to learn how to move to Italy and start a hospitality business. All right. From beautiful, beautiful Piobico Italia, thank you so much. Don't go away because Ashley will be reading a chapter, but we're, I'm going to say goodbye. Bye for now. All right. Thank you for downloading. See you next time. Ciao. The continuation of the book. Chapter four, Wood Bandits. Never living without central heat, we have no idea how to stay warm, let alone dry laundry in freezing weather without a dryer. All it takes is one night leaving the clothes on the line and they're frozen solid. It is bone cold and we are so naive as to burn unchopped, wet wood and wondering why is it just steaming (laughs) the sad little wood pile that was left for us went quickly with only one possible solution we came what you would call resourceful we called ourselves the wood bandits and began stealing wood in the middle of the night from wood piles left along the side of our road only later did we discover that any neighbor would have graciously given us a quintale of wood if we had asked During the day, we drove around the valley and back roads like a junkie looking for a fix, scoping out big piles of wood stacked on the side of the road or downed trees, making a mental note to return. Hot damn, look at that stack of wood, Mama Lecky, (laughs) I blurred out, wondering who am I becoming? Jason and Megan are the muscle of the team. I'm the lookout man. Fueled by the thought of spending another frigid night in the house with frozen toes and fingertips, waking up and seeing your breath, not only and not being able to feel your nose, we knew what had to be done. Once we accumulated a sufficient amount of wood, 
in meter-long sections, we realized we needed an, an axe or chainsaw. Actually, we needed both. So, with a fire in his eye, Jason returns home from the Ferramenta, or hardware store, one day with a big boy gas-powered chainsaw. Check this out, he says, feeling like a real country man now. A few days without shaving and a black and white flannel shirt on with his chainsaw in hand and the smell of the outdoors and fresh cut wood. Yeah, it was working for me. I like lumberjack Jason. At first, my sister and I were terrified we'd cut off our arm, but Jason convinced us that we needed to learn how to use it. After a few pulls of the saw, zipping through the wood like it was butter, we were all hooked. Oh, the thrill of using power tools. Breathing in the clean winter air of the forest thick with sawdust, Megan sneezing up a storm. This is what winter should smell like, I thought. It feels so good being outside doing physical labor. This is more than I moved at my desk, ever. And this is just a little chainsaw. Just when we think we couldn't get any tougher or more country, at least for that afternoon, our landlord Fushiani stopped by and retrieved his loaded shotgun out of the back of the car and starts shooting right in her driveway. He said that if we live in the country, we need to learn to shoot, and he had brought a full arsenal with him. I'm really beginning to enjoy settling into this country living. I feel tougher and stronger, and I like it. I run into town to call my family, still high from the chainsaw shotgun showdown at the only phone booth in 20 kilometers that makes international calls. It's the one at the bar in the busiest cafe in Urbana, Sunrise Cafe. This is the one and only way for us to contact our family in the States. So I swing open the door to see everyone dressed up for the evening cocktail hour. This is the time of day when everyone is out on their evening stroll, cruising the main drag with their hair done up, makeup just right, jewelry on, earrings, bracelet, necklace, for preferably a scarf wrapped and wearing your best threads. I, on the other hand, am a hot mess, wearing black cropped yoga pants, an old 49ers t-shirt, zip-up hoodie, tennis shoes, and oh my god, a baseball cap. This is what Jason calls my sporty spice look. Well, I might as well have been naked or even walked in with horns growing out of my head because it was like scratching a record and cutting the music. All eyes narrowed in on me, horrified, shocked. What a disgrace. I can hear two old ladies talking and they have it all figured out. Ah, misembra. It seems to me this must be what a lesbian looks like. I think that's the American. Oh, yes, that's the American. They live down Candeliano at Cacabone. Oh, poverina. Poor girl. <laughs> oh, I make my call with my Oklahoma State Sooners hat pulled down as low as it will go and sneak out the back. This is my first lesson in La Bella Figura, which means the beautiful figure, which is actually a way of life, emphasizing beauty, good image, and proper behavior. Italy is a place of grandeur and excellent elegance, and this is seen in the details. I forgot that I wasn't in New York City where anything goes, and you could behind, hide behind the thin veil of anonymity. Chapter 5, Hunting Season. Pang, pang! <laughs> That's the Italian way to say bang, bang. Pang, pang! Right on time, our 6 a.m. alarm clock has just sounded, cutting through the thick morning fog that lays low and heavy in the valley every morning. Shockingly, five out of seven days, we awaken to the booming sounds of gunshots ringing off the hills and find hunters combing our property. There's no hunting on Tuesday or Thursday because we're told even the animals need a rest. I'm beginning to wonder if any of the local men have real jobs since they seem to be trudging through our yard Every damn morning. I want that job, Jason grumbles. He wants to impose a hunter's tax, where we get a cut of whatever meat they catch. One day, Jason wakes up and proclaims, I want a leg of every deer. I think that's only fair. You shoot it on my land, that's my leg. He puts on a jacket and hat and marches into the war zone to impose his tax. Shockingly, the gunfire subsides, and from inside the kitchen, I wonder what he has said to get them to stop shooting. My sister and I anxiously pacing about. This is pretty much the most exciting thing that's happened in days. <laughs> 
What do you think he's saying? I have no idea. It's taking forever. I know. It's totally crazy. Moments later, Jason bursts in through the kitchen door and shouts, Six cafes! As he runs past me into the dining room. If you make the coffee, Ash, I'll go get the Sambuca. Damn it, I wish we had something sweet to offer them as well. Instead of laying down the law, like he said he was going to do, Jason had offered them all a cafe. (laughs) He's a tough talker with a sweet... With a big, soft spot. But I wasn't surprised. There's no private property laws in Italy. Or if there are, they're strictly unenforced, we were told. (laughs) If something grows on your property, wild, may it be berries, nuts, mushrooms, truffles, or even wild animals, it's for everyone. You did nothing to put it there. Neither did the person before you. A piece of cultivated land or garden, vegetable garden, is different, of course. It's a different way of thinking. This is radically different than the thinking in the States. But we embrace the ways of our neighbors, not wanting to rock the boat, and even appreciating this wild way of living. The weather is crisp and clear, a perfect day to begin outside projects. But we decide to dodge the bullets and continue our work inside. Hey, where'd you leave the vacuum? I ask to no one as I begin checking off the to-do list for the day. By 4.30, the sun is swallowed by the rough and rugged foothills, casting our house in an icy shadow, letting the frigid air seep in through every crack and cranny it can find. A whisper of cold air passes through the room, and I blow my fingers to keep them warm. My sister and I sit for hours by the fire, downing our endless supply of red wine that was waiting for us in the cantina. Mama's got a medicine, Jason says, cracking himself up. Megan and I are flushed by the fire, discussing my poop problems that have daunted my digestive tract for years. Jason stays warm on his feet, feverishly testing recipes over a hot stove or experimenting in the fireplace with grilled calamare and piadine, a local flatbread or kind of like a tortilla. My sister and I don't mind at all the long meals as we as he tweaks his recipes and teaches himself how to hand cook uh, sweet salty prosciutto di mentonella in an antique iron holder we found in the house. Let's just say we happily ate a lot of thick, shitty sliced prosciutto as he was learning, one of the pitfalls of the job. Living in this old house, it just seems right to do things by hand. Pasta, cutting prosciutto... And I want to learn how to cure my own meats, Jason said, relishing the slower pace in the kitchen and the attention to quality. Even without guests yet to feed, I see that fire igniting back in those gorgeous blue eyes. He's almost ready to really start cooking Italian food for paying guests. He has Megan and I sampling things and taste testing along the way, almost quizzing us on our palate, asking, what does it need? With a shrug of indifference from me, Megan answers with a question, salt? Got it. Adding in a way, adding in way more than a pinch, he gives Megan a thumbs up. Now try it again. See how it brings out the flavors? He's right. He didn't realize at the time, but Megan and I were his first students. Kind of gets me choked up. Every meal, Jason knowingly or unknowingly begins teaching us about olive oil, sauteing garlic, lemon, salt, and the fundamentals of balancing flavor. In the following days, Jason gets a cooking lesson of his own from Fushiani's wife when we are all invited for dinner. All right. I'll do one more. Learning to live slow. A brief summary of chapter six. We are constantly reminded of the absurd rules of the kitchen in the States as Jason happily settles into cooking Italian style. Home-cured meats, unpasteurized cheeses and milk, lardo, and the list goes on. The things considered normal here would have been extraordinary in New York and most likely impossible to serve on any menu. We knew that once we opened an agriturismo, our menu would be chef's choice. You'll eat what you're fed. This gives Jason the flexibility to cook with the freshest possible ingredients, locally sourced, and at the same time stretch our guests a bit to try something they might not have ever ordered on their own, like fried anchovies, chicken liver pate, or rabbit hunter style. Walking into the Fruttivadora, the fruit and veg shop in Piobico, Jason is immediately surveyed by the patrons waiting in line. They are staunchy, staunchly traditional local ladies, all over 60 and retired, none over five feet tall, wondering why the American's wife isn't doing the shopping. 
There's no giant supermarkets or Costco, just family-run shops with little selection, which can make for laying in supplies for a restaurant challenging at times. Try ordering more than six croissants or a hundred rolls of toilet paper. Instead of one-stop shopping, it's quaint and charming, really. You go to the butcher, the cheese guy, the fishmonger. They all have their own shop filled with locally sourced goods. The shelves are lined with wooden crates overflowing with blood oranges, pale green feathery fronds of fennel, heads of cabbage and graduating shades of green to white, long green zucchini and dark purple eggplant. Jason thinks that if it looks this good during the winter, it must be a wonderland of produce in the summer. He notices the hand-picked wild lettuce in a kaleidoscope of green and purple and quickly changes his menu. His instinct is to reach out and pick up the tomatoes to smell them, squeeze the oranges to gauge their plumpness, and pick through a crate of green beans with his bare hands, flicking a cherry tomato into his mouth for good measure. Literally tempted by sheer curiosity, Jason did the unthinkable and reached for a neon green spindly head of broccolo romanesco when his train of thought was broken by one of the ladies waiting in line clearing her throat with a wag of the finger. She pointed to the shopkeeper who smiled and held up a plastic glove-covered hands and wiggled her fingers playfully. You must always wear a glove when picking through the produce. No glove, no love. And a little mom and pop shop like this, actually run by a brother and sister, you ask for the tomato and they retrieve it for you. Jason puts his hands behind his back and slips into line. Pronta! The beautiful, tall, thin, brown-haired shopkeeper calls out, signaling she is ready for her next client. In her early 40s, Valentina runs the Fruttivadora on Via Roma and her salt, with her salt-and-pepper-haired friendly brother, who always greets us with a smile and, Ciao, Americani! The siblings are sweet and get paid in more IOUs than cash. She was ready to take the order. Asking for a few onions turns into a full-blown interrogation of Jason. What are you going to do with it? All eyes on his answer. I'm going to make a sugo, a sauce. Before Jason can explain any further, she presses forward. Uh, see, but what, what kind of sugo? What are you putting in it? What kind of pasta are you making? What kind? Do you know how to make a pasta? She probed. Thank God Jason didn't get the chance to ask about the type of... Ask about the out-of-season artichokes he was looking for, because she would have looked at him like he has two heads. And so began the great interrogation. Everywhere we shop, Jason is grilled on what he's buying and how he's planning to use the ingredients. Only then would they deem if he was worthy to purchase their goods. It's not only an interrogation, but an initiation of sorts. To a fraternity, Jason is desperate to join. Quickly and unsurprisingly, Jason develops a friendly relationship with our butchers, brothers, Beppe and Mimi. I always get confused which one is which because they're always together, yet they look nothing alike. Perpetually happy meat carvers, they make the best sausages in the area. They're fascinated by the young American chef, eager to learn their family recipes, so they happily oblige. Ciao, Jason! Have you made puntine di vitello? Slices of veal breast, Pepe suggests. Go home, put them in a casserole with some odori or herbs, a bit of olive oil, half a glass of wine, and some aglio, garlic. A few small sweet tomatoes cut in half and top it with thin slices of potatoes. A little cartoforno, baking powder on top, into the oven for about 45 minutes. Remove the paper and let it brown. With a nod of the head, he smiles and says, Semplice e saporito. Simple and flavorful. Five minutes to make, an hour in the oven, and it's a new favorite. It's a classic example of cucina povera, taking a tough cut of meat with a bone, slow cooking it until it's tender enough to cut with a fork. The juices from the pan are so mouth-watering, I dunk my bread soaking up the rich, garlicky, meaty flavors. Today is no different, they say, send J and send Jason on his way with veal for the pan and a suggestion to roast his potatoes in the forno lenya. I've been to Cacamone before. There is a wood oven, no? Why do you not use it? Almeno, at the very least, put your potatoes in for a try, said Mimi. Or was it Pepe? Wishing... Washing dishes, I look out the kitchen window and see smoke billowing from the outdoor oven. Jason is barely visible, with his head fully submerged in the mouth of the oven. Tonight is the night. Like a talisman, it stood tall, full of magical powers, almost intimidating, looming in the corner of our outdoor kitchen. 
Oh, how it taunted us as we passed, loading laundry into the machine. Every armful of wood retrieved from underneath its hearth reminded us, Hey, I'm right here, ready to make your pizza whenever you are. It was just begging us to light a fire in its belly. Finally, it's time. After pulling it after putting it off for this long while Jason watched every pizza maker in Italy, more interested in the heat of the oven and how much wood he was using than the recipe for his dough. He was excited at the thought of taming this wild beast and learning its secrets. There is something more satisfying to me mastering the art of using the old medieval oven than it, that it's just rocks and mortar with a hole than playing with the settings on a super-modern, state-of-the-art convection oven, said Jason. After a not-so-successful turn with potatoes and a head of singed hair to prove it, Jason is more intrigued than ever with the oven. He asks Fushiani, what's the secret? He used to own a successful pizzeria with his brother Alessandro before they got into the lucrative meat and cheese business. Fushiani tells him, watch the color of the stone. Wait until the roof is white, then it's ready. He explains how to regulate the heat and move the fire around the inside of the oven to keep the floor hot when making the pizzas and how to slowly feed the fire to maintain your temperature. And with that, Jason begins firing up the oven weekly, making pizza, bread, and most notably, an eight-pound deer leg that sat in a bath of Chianti for a day, then slow-roasted for hours, low and slow. That became the talk of town. After the deer was cooked perfectly, Jason's confidence grew and he had attempted paposa, a traditional peasant dish made with on-the-bone lamb shank, juniper, rosemary, and a bottle of lacrima. Lacrima is an ancient wine that predates the Romans and grown solely in one tiny town of La Marque, Moro di Alba. I love that its unique flavor with peppery hints of orange has such a rich history from this land and it can't be found elsewhere. This deep red wine pairs so perfectly with the rich lamb that will cook slowly all night in the oven. Ugh, I'm salivating just thinking about it now. This is going to be awesome, you guys, Jason says as he slides the heavy red Le Crusette into the hot oven, covering it with smoldering embers and ash. With meaty dreams all night, we awoke hungry and ran out to the oven to peek at the night's dinner like it was Christmas morning. Every step of the way, imagining how it must be falling off the bone tender at this point, slowly cooking in dark red wine for over eight hours, carefully with hot pads, Jason removes the lid. Sound the trumpets, please. Let me get a peek, I say as he turns the pot towards me, looking totally confused. Jason opens the lid for me to see into the pot, the paposa, in all its glory and uttered in absolute amazement holy shit we cremated it there was no meat no bone no sauce just ash in an empty le crusette it ends everything it ends up everything was just way too hot the oven should have been left to cool for almost a full day before we attempted to slow cook the leg of lamb first we can't cook potatoes to save our life and now we've cremated an animal the everlasting fatty I am could only reply with one question at 6.50 a.m. So, what are we having for dinner? <laughs> now that almost all of the inside of the house is clean, I can focus on promoting the business. I sit for days at the local cafe with Wi-Fi alternating with the, at the local cafes with Wi-Fi, alternating between the closest three, depending on who's open. Who brews a stronger cafe, and if it's the afternoon, evening, which bar has the best snacks? Jason drops me off since I can't drive stick, and I work for hours on end beginning my grassroots marketing blitz for our inn and cooking school, as well as the region as a whole. I've always knew that if we were going to grow our business, we would have to help grow the region and educate tourists what there was to do and eat here. Hell, most Italians don't even know where La Marca is. How can you can expect American? Especially when they think Tuscany is one big city in central Italy. While Megan and Jason chop and restack wood, grocery shop, or tinker with recipes, I zone out on the computer, blogging, sharing local recipes, pitching stories about our move to magazines, hitting Facebook and Twitter hard. With zero budget for publicity, I try to find creative ways to spread the word about our little slice of paradise in undiscovered La Marque. 
The hard part is that with little to no internet at our house, everything has to be done in town, which is at least 12 kilometers each way down the road. So it's important to use my time wisely and not get too sidetracked by tempting TMZ headlines. I look so strange to the locals that watch me sitting here at a back table on the computer for up to four hours or five at a time, only getting up to pee because I've drinking so much tea. They wonder what could I possibly be doing online for so long? Um, try uploading photos on TripAdvisor at dial-up speed. Thank God they serve good wine at a euro a glass because at times it makes you want to poke your eyes out. I was in store for one of the hardest lessons. Patience. Communication in general. No phone line, no internet, shoddy cell reception, only available outside by the pool, has always been our Achilles heel of doing business. If I wanted high-speed internet at my fingertips... At home, I should have stayed in New York. Sure, at times it drives me crazy that it feels like we are using a tin can on a string, but we knew moving here, we'd we'd have to be taking the good with the bad. I swallow my multitasking pride, and just like the internet connection, I slow down, enjoy my drink, and wait for the page to load. I could bore you with never-ending anecdotes of waiting in line at the post office or the technico technician that never shows up or the lack of customer service when you call the customer service hotline for NL, the state-run energy company, but I won't. Here's the deal. You can't beat your head against the wall, frustrated and fuming comparing it to how it was back home, or even worse, making a fuss and trying to change the system. Instead... All you can do is accept it, roll with the punches, bring a book with you to the post office, and have another glass of wine as you wait for the page to load. All right, that's it for today. More on the next podcast from Italy. Thanks so much for listening. Ciao, ciao. Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentiri Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.